Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everybody. This is the Deceptively Fast Podcast. I'm trying real, real, real hard to do a lot of things different than what I do on radio when I come to podcasts because that's supposed to be the freedom of this format. Um, But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit fish out of water with this right now because I'm uh, used to having my companion Mike Meltzer, not my gay companion, just my work companion, Mike Meltzer, <laughs> with me all the time. So before I start, my gay companion is a whole other story. Um, <laughs> before we start, I'm going to introduce you to uh, Garrett, the web guy. Garrett, hey, what's up? Garrett from, from, uh, from our normal job at Sports Radio 610. Garrett's the guy that comes in every now and then and weighs in on like comic book stuff, mm-hmm. soccer, mm-hmm. kicking, and yeah. other things. So he's here, he's here to make me feel comfortable. He's like my little, um, uh, like my little blankie. And uh, in, in, human in your Linus world, I'll carry you around. <laughs> like that's what I said, Sean White, when he was carrying the American flag off yeah. after he won the gold. It looked like he was carrying his blankie. Yeah, and people got upset about that. You're gonna be my guy okay. to to be my emotional blanket right right now. But basically, I wanted to have something that I could use to talk about all the things that I don't I don't get to talk about on Mad Radio on Sports Radio 610 because for one it's a sports show so we can't talk a lot about this stuff and then two there are a lot of sports stories that for whatever reason just aren't good on radio because they're they're not relevant to Houston or it's just a little bit too nerdy or whatever it might be so a lot of times we'll do a whole bunch of show prep before the show and we'll have all these various topics and then you get to the end of the show and you're like oh man I really wish I really wish we'd talked about that you don't have a lot of time sometimes, too. Like We only have four hours. Yeah, that's it. But it's funny. It's funny. You only have four hours, but, you know, to keep people's relevance, because they're yeah. so worried about the, the time people listen. Yeah. To keep people's relevance, sometimes you can't really break into a topic for well, most 15, people 20 only, minutes, right. and, and if you want to, and you can do that here. Yeah, they only talk... People listen for like 15 to if, – if somebody listens for 45 minutes or studs, they're listening the whole way in. So you got to keep hitting those A topics and those B topics all throughout the day. And then sometimes you get to the end of the day. And like when my co-host isn't even watching the Olympics, he doesn't want to talk about the Olympics. And I, I know he's un-American. He's un And I feel true. like sometimes he's uh, sensitive about the fact that he was actually born in Russia. So I don't, I don't pick on him. <laughs> and for he his... doesn't have a flag at this Olympics? Yeah, but his dad – oh, that's right. There's the, he's got the – uh, the athletes competing as Russians. <laughs> Olympic think, athletes of Russia. I think as as of the time of this recording of this podcast, I think the Olympics from the Olympians from Russia or however what are they being called? Olympians from Russia. Olympians yeah. from Olympic, Russia. Uh, no, Olympic athletes from Russia. I think we're ahead of them by one medal. Or yeah. they're ahead of us by one medal. Uh, curling Except, scandal. That's right, the curling scandal, the dude who is juicing to curl. Yeah. A lot of people are like, listen, everybody's saying, Oh, why would you juice? 
to curl. And I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's like to gain a small edge. Yeah. Like any of these things. Like everybody out there can do whatever they're doing without steroids, but they're trying to find that one little edge. So with curling, where I, I think some people don't give enough respect to the physical fitness of these curlers. They're all in astoundingly good shape. Yeah. The guy, this uh, Melodium, what is it? Yeah, I don't know his name. Whatever the, no, 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 yeah. that's the oh. name of the drug. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It whatever sounds the, like his name. Whatever the drug is, uh, it, it's apparently, I've never heard of it, but apparently they do prescribe it for things, but he feels like he was going to get an edge, allegedly. But anyway, so this is the kind of stuff that doesn't necessarily come up on the show. I'm going to try real hard not to yell. Um, this is my promise to everybody listening. This show is going to suck for a good... <laughs> Like two to three weeks at least, and I'd really, really, really like it to suck pretty bad at times because I want to experiment and I want to get your feedback. I'm I got I'm gonna have a Reddit a subreddit on this at some point. I just have to set it up. So I would encourage everybody to tweet at me, Facebook me, um, go at the subreddit and everything, and we'll get a lot of feedback. But really, I you know Garrett, I've been talking to you for a long time about how exactly. Am I going to do this podcast? And yeah. I've been kind of going back and forth. Is okay? Do I want a co-host? Do I want to have a, like a rotating schedule of co-hosts? Do I want to do just interviews? And then after I saw Black Panther on Friday, which I'm going to get to in a little bit, um, I, I started reading about Black Panther, and then I started reading about Marvel Comics and how when Marvel Comics first got into the movie business, it was when they were coming out of bankruptcy. And they're trying to scrap together some cash as best they can. So they approached Sony, who had the rights for Spider-Man at the time. And they said, hey, listen, what do you say we just bundle up all the movie rights to all these superheroes and we give them to you? And I think it was for like less than $20 million. Yeah, it wasn't much. It wasn't a lot of money at all. And Sony balked at it. So then what Marvel said was, hey, this is what we'll do. We're going to make our own movies, and we don't really expect to make a bunch of money on it, but it'll be a great way to sell action figures. So they got these, they got a focus group together, all these kids, and had them play <laughs> with action figures and figured out, okay, which action figure is best. And it turned out that Iron Man was the one that the yeah. kids wanted the most. So they made Iron Man, and they they cut a bunch of corners. They got... John Favreau to direct it because he was kind of like, eh, who the and, hell he's a, and he's a little bit of a comic book nerd. Right, he knows right. the story well. But he's not like a big name producer, yeah. or director, or whatever. Yeah, he's not J.J. Spielberg or yeah. yeah. Um, and then they got Robert Downey to be the lead because hey, he's good, but who knows if he's if he's even going to stay sober? So whatever the hell, we'll just we'll slap this thing together and we'll sell some action figures. Right. People thought people didn't people don't realize that before Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. really wasn't. Like he wasn't huge right. anymore. He had been a guy that had like all kinds of issues yeah. and then he rehabilitated himself, but he wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And then he does this and then obviously everything blows up. But like this, this violates the rules of like <laughs> anything, any, anytime anybody writes a book about wanting it or going for it or got to have the passion, like Marvel did the exact wrong thing in terms of all of that. They just like threw it to they, the wind. They half-assed it. They were just trying to figure out a way to sell more action figures and they are selling a lot more action figures now that part of it that part of <laughs> that it was successful happened. but they also in spite of themselves ended up with this huge franchise so i'm sitting here and i'm like all right i, I gotta quit overthinking this and at least just throw something out me talking into a microphone for a little while and then we'll figure out and build on from there and and see what happens no uh no offense to you Gary. that's fine uh, no it's fine like, 
I don't need to look. I don't need to be paying some Sean Pendergast to come in here to be my co-host. <laughs> well, I, you know, you said we've talked about this for a while. I, it's probably gone through four or five iterations yeah. of what you wanted this podcast to be, and this, I actually is what I, I was hoping for all along. Yeah, like I want to just hear you speaking about stuff. You're a smart guy. You're entertaining yeah. to listen to. But I get this is what what happens sometimes, and this is why it's good that I'm paired with Mike Meltzer. Uh, and, and that's the other thing, everybody. I got to try to make this more of about of a national focus. So I'll explain who Mike Meltzer is to a lot of people uh, as we get further on down the road. Right now, the only people listening know who I am. But um, <laughs> Mike Meltzer is like the opposite of me, and he keeps me on track. And when I start to kind of really go off the rails, he reins me back in, and I have a tendency to go a little too fast sometimes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try like hell to to slow the hell down. But as we get into this, there there is also this thing. It's called the Hawthorne effect. And I've talked about this before, which is this phenomenon where when people know they're being studied, all of a sudden they produce a lot more. And and for how I'm gonna utilize that effect with this podcast is that for my listeners that know that I'm paying attention to how they're listening. Um, it's all part of the experiment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of mold and craft this thing. I don't know how much I'm going to talk about sports. I think at least part, part of the problem is like I haven't monetized this thing and I, I don't plan on monetizing it for like at least successfully for a long time. Um, there is one little bit they were experimenting with that I'll tell you about later. But uh, I don't want to step on my employer's Toes yeah, but all. and it's always going like, to be free. This yeah. is always going to be a free podcast. Yeah. There might be money in it to be made. The only thing but- this is what I'm going to do for money for in the beginning because I like experimenting with this stuff. On, okay. the, on my website, deceptivelyfast.com, mm-hmm. I've got like Amazon links. Yeah. So sometimes, like, I'm going to talk about this book today, The Butchering Art, for a little bit. Um, so if you go to the website, deceptivelyfast.com, I'll have a little link there where if you click on it and you bought the book, then I would get like a dollar off of that or something. Ooh. So yeah, that's right. Hey, it adds up fast. You get, I could yeah. be making uh, money to the tune of dozens of dollars here per week if if people buy enough if there's one thing i know about young people today it's they love uh paper books they're they're, they're gonna gonna be lined up uh like basically like waiting for apple phones for these paper books don't underestimate the hipsters ability to to be old and buy paper books and because you also and this you know this garrett i advocate the the paper paper I I read the paper newspaper because yeah. I don't there's nothing to li- click on so I can read a whole article and then I move on to the next article and don't get distracted right I, I read hate about- when I'm halfway through and I'm like oh what's this Ooh. well I have to read this wiki yeah. and then <laughs> I'm and then I'm seven pages deep before I get back to the original article so. Uh, to that effect I'm gonna utilize the Hawthorne effect uh, and and I honestly. I don't even know how big I want my audience to be for this. I don't want to piss people off, um, and I don't want to drive people away, but it might not necessarily be. A lot of the people that are going to come to this initially are people that listen to my sports show. I don't know how much of a sports show this is going to be, um, but we'll, we'll see. So along those lines, I did see Black Panther, and one of the reasons I wanted you in here today, Garrett, mm-hmm. was to uh, just to, to shut me up if I say anything wrong. Okay. But, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you so, haven't? Okay. No. Do I you have, read the comics? I have three children. I don't go to see movies. Yeah, because these the... kids, except they're a little too young for Black uh, Panther. No, my, my son and daughter are both very nine and seven, and yeah. we will take them to see it, uh-huh. but also just with three kids doing it on opening weekend when it's packed yeah. is just terrible. Well, I want what, room. It wasn't, you know what's nice now? 
is that they have all these movie theaters. I don't know about elsewhere, but in Houston, there's really starting to be this proliferation of dine-in movie theaters. Oh, yeah. They're the greatest. Which they're, you get reserved seating. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I, I'm lucky because I don't have a conventional job, so I can go see a movie at 11 a.m. or 1 p.m. You can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Um, but if you go along, if you go in advance a little bit, you don't have to, you don't have to deal with a whole lot of the, the extra stuff. Um, but there, there are a couple things I noticed, and I am a, a non-comic book nerd, and I'm not going to spend too long on this, but there are a couple things. In, one was this. The, the villain, Eric Killmonger, is immediately like one of my favorite villains ever. And I don't want to have any spoiler alerts here or anything, but they did a really, really good job of creating this villain that's kind of likable in a way, and you're like, I don't know if I like want to like this guy, but am I? Should I <laughs> feel guilty about liking this guy? But he's yeah. really cool. Like he's the coolest guy in the whole in the whole film. And uh, but he's also I'm, I'm thinking of the what's the name of the actor that is? Is it Michael Michael um, B. Jordan? Is or it no, Michael, uh, yes, Michael B. Jordan? Yeah, he's the uh, yeah. He's typically like kind of like a like a lovable baby face dude. Yeah, but he got all yoked up. He got huge for this. Like you're seeing it, I'm like, I think I know that guy. I'm gonna have to look this up after the film because he looks just he's absolutely yoked in it and like lean. Now it's not like he got like fat to do it or anything. Well, he was like also a guy he was Creed. The alignment. He was in Creed. Yeah, that's right. But so, I think he's even he, bigger than he was in Creed. Yeah, he looks Creed, a little bit a, bigger for um, sure. I, look, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm not. Look, I'm not gay, but mm-hmm. I might be gay. No. He's a, he's like <laughs> oh, he's yeah. a freaking stud in this thing. His smile. I'm not. I'm not gay for him. But honestly, he. Uh, well, no, that was they had a, a no smile rule for him. Oh, because in the movie? he's got like a nice smile and yeah. everything. When you smile, he's like, "Oh, that's the guy I want to date my daughter." Yeah. yeah. But like, no, this guy's supposed to be. Oh, so evil he doesn't incurred. smile the whole movie. I don't. No, no, smile no. Like, not even he an doesn't evil, smile. Not even like an evil smile. Or anything. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Um, so okay. So, so he's so really good. He's really good. Uh, Shuri, who is the sister mm-hmm. of of the king, he's really good as well. The one thing that I've seen complaints about, and that I uh, that I understand, even though I'm not a comic book nerd, is that the CGI isn't all that great. There's oh, like some issues, okay. right? Like where there's a scene where they're riding these rhinoceri, mm-hmm. and sure. and it looks kind of like. Yeah, like uh, that's a video game where guys ride rhinoceri. Yeah, you know, know, it was a concern going into the movie that this is a heavy, heavy, there's not a lot of practical effects you can do with this because it's a country that's completely made up with a bunch of tech that's completely made up. So like, what do you mean? Practical effects means like you can, like Star Wars does practical effects where they build the Uh X-Wing. So you're actually seeing an X-Wing. Yeah. Flying, but uh-huh. they just do the background. They do so the it's background, the easier part. All CGI. Yeah, where this where is like everything needs is to be CGI, CGI because so it, it's so elaborate and so. So then it looks like a different. cartoon. Yes, right, because they're built on, and this is where I like. I don't get the comic book stuff a lot of times, and I've only gotten into it recently because my daughter is into it, mm-hmm. which is cool because now I'm like learning the X Men and I'm learning Marvel and everything, and. And the whole thing about, or excuse me, I'm learning the Avengers. They're both Marvel. And that's the thing that, I, that I've been really impressed with is that with the Marvel stuff, how funny it is. Oh, like, yeah. It's not just cheesy, corny, like comic book humor, like what I would think of as comic book yeah. humor. Like these are legitimately funny characters. It's funny when they actually have people that, people get mad that they're funny. Oh really? Oh, oh yeah, because they want to be more they wanted, serious. They want it like, to be like, and they I always be like Star Wars, where it's corny, and, well, stupid, awful humor. And I always say, I always say, it's a comic book, guys. Yeah. There's always been humor in comic books. Uh-huh. Always, every comic book movie has had humor until Dark Knight. But people loved like the Dark Knight series. Yeah, was that first series of like dark? We're not going to be funny. And DC's trying to go that way and have everything be that dark realism. Yeah. 
and where the comic books there were a little more there were some dark comics with is everybody, Batman. Is everybody just afraid that it's going to go back to like the campy days of like the yeah, Batman it, TV show? Yeah, is, that, like, not, is there a little a fear that somehow it's probably, all going to be like Pat Zow Zow? Yeah, that stuff. Then when you go back and watch that stuff, though, too. Then you realize that, oh, wait a second, that was done like intentionally campy and it was actually, that was way more sophisticated humor than I thought it was. Yeah. Like you it, go through the stage where you're a kid and you don't know any better. And you're watching like Adam West reruns. <laughs> and then you get to the point where you're like, oh, wow, that's really cheesy. And then you get to the point where you're like, oh, wait, oh, yeah, that was intentionally cheesy. Yeah. They, like, they, they were really they like, they were purpose. poking fun at a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I think the I think the jokes and even a little bit of the campiness, which they get into a lot. I think Captain America has has some very campy parts. Yeah. Uh, Thor is great with it, uh, but they do them really well and they fit. And it's OK, because I think also it, it brings the human element to all these characters that are so inhuman. So the, so this is basically all right. All right. Okay. So that was one thing that happened this weekend. I went to see Black Panther on. Okay. I saw it on Friday or Saturday. Like I said, because I went to one of these uh, movie theater dine in places that wasn't that actually bad. And I accidentally, this is the other thing I stumbled onto. I, I feel like it's a little bit of conspicuous consumption. Um, but it, like, like, you don't have to be a millionaire to do this. It was, uh, it, uh, my daughter was going to bring a friend, but her friend couldn't come. So then the great thing about these places is that you could just buy an extra seat and you got nobody next to you. Yeah. So you're just uh, completely, I don't have to deal uh, with some weirdo next to you. A lot to of them, if you don't go in prime hours, yeah. like my wife and I, we tend to try to go to these, the sit down places yeah. on like weeknights and it's like $5 a ticket. Oh yeah. It's yeah. super cheap for the yeah, ticket and then you buy the food. It's great. Do you feel guilty about not buying food though? Sometimes no. you don't Sometimes we, yeah, we do. I, I over tip I find but because we I feel get, like, ah, this, this poor kid, he's just dependent on uh, tips for his living and I, I got nothing for him. Yeah, but we get, you know, we'll get a dessert to share and a, and a drink each and you know, it's still 20, we're still spending 20, 25 bucks. Okay. So here's the other thing that happened this weekend. The NBA All-Star Game, which typically a lot of people don't typically care about. Um, but there were a couple different things going on here. Obviously, you had that LeBron and Steph had drafted their own teams. And, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen with uh, whatever? Who cares? Uh, the biggest thing that everybody won't shut up about today, and I'm not on air, so I'll talk about this today, was Fergie's butchering. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say butchering of the national anthem, except this. This is the the danger of social media and the internet today is that by the time I actually got around to listening to the national anthem, I'd been set up like this was going to be the absolute most god-awful ear-pounding ear thing we've ever seen or heard. When, if you compare it to like when, when people have isolated tracks on some singers yeah. and you find out that it's awful or sometimes like the uh, it's Saturday Night Live when Ashley Simpson's uh, lip syncing went awry yeah. and all that stuff. Um, then th like that's what you're prepared for. Uh, her voice sounded froggy at times and you could tell that she was she was struggling. But I think the biggest thing, right, was that she just. She was trying to pull it off like she was some kind of sexy lounge singer. It was really, it was it just was, a weird presentation. It was, and this is where I'll defend her. I think a couple things were probably going on. One, I wonder if her voice was messed up, so she thought, all right, the way I'm going to get around this is by pulling off this sexy lounge th singer okay. thing. And I got to think that when she decided to go for the sex sexy lounge thinger, singer thing, <laughs> regardless of why she chose to go for it, she knew there was a good chance that people wouldn't like it. So I'll give her credit because she like she sold it the whole time. She through. committed. She actually committed. And like you get to the end of that song and you feel like, wow, she really 
She really, I felt bad for her because she looked like she really thought she nailed it. I, like, yeah, people think I'm sexy. I think that I think the the biggest thing, and I was the same way with you. I didn't see it until like it had been built up as this terrible thing. The funniest thing for me was that at the end, I feel like she felt like it was a really loud applause. Yeah, it was like oh, a was big applause. Really? Okay, and I feel like she thought, thought it was watched- like. Oh man, they loved it, and I felt. I was that felt an ironic like applause? Was, I felt like the entire audience was like, "Okay, like, okay thank you for giving us that." Well, because I have to go back and watch the pregame show too, because I know people complained about the whole pregame show no, being yeah. like 35, 40 minutes long. All that I, like, I, don't I typically I, don't watch ch- I check in on All Star games, and and that's the extent of the analysis yeah. I give them because I never. Like, I'm, I'm not complaining about it. Enough people, enough people watch it. Like as much as we complain about it every year, people keep watching it. Yeah. So like you can tweak it and make it better, but it's not going away as long as people are watching it. Yeah. And it, you know we got curling and downhill skiing and and all these <laughs> other things I want to watch. So I'm not going to watch that crap. The uh, don't okay. laugh at. I'm I'm serious. I would rather watch curling and downhill. I would rather watch biathlon. The, okay. Well, this is the thing about the biathlon. Okay. Is I read an article about Sweden. No, mm-hmm. Norway. Excuse me. Very good. I'm prejudiced, racist here. Um, they all look alike to me over there. <laughs> but the Norwegians are dominating the medal count, correct? It's yes. still the Norwegians. And so I read this article about why they're doing so well in Norway. And these are the two things that they cited. One was the fact that they don't keep score until kids are 13 over there. And I know like people get all triggered about this when you talk about not keeping score in America. <laughs> Trophy, all of a sudden it turns culture. into yeah, like this was the this is why everything is awful because nobody's keeping score and and kids are too soft. I, I'm only going to say this because I grew up as a kid that like wanted to win from the time I was six years old and nobody like nobody had to teach me how to want to win. I was kind of a, a hard old annoying douchebag about it early on. <laughs> Most kids don't enjoy sports as a way of actually winning until they're about 13 years old. Like it's there, there've been a lot of studies done about this. So like, and I don't get, I don't get all holier than thou about this. If you're in a league where you keep score, that's fine. If you don't, who cares? Um, other than to say that it seems like Norway has a lot of people that keep competing in sports on through high school and up through their adult years because they really foster the spirit of really enjoying sports and enjoying the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. When guys get, when kids get to be 13, guys and girls, they start to really care about winning. Like that's just natural. Yeah. And now the other thing, and this is where I'm not, I'm not completely buying all this. I think a huge part of it is just that it's this financially successful country in uh, where they all play a lot of winter sports and they have the money to commit to it for these technologically advanced sports where mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't know how many Norway might be the size of Detroit, but I would imagine that their number of biathletes is right. probably like, I, like <laughs> the absolute number of biathletes might be greater than the absolute number of biathletes in a country as big as America. I, you 100%. And, and it's weird that they're so good at these sports that, you know, they're, they have a decent soccer culture there. They're yeah. not very good at soccer. They, you know, they have a decent culture for others. They could play other sports that are played internationally. But they're really good. But at they're these, really like, good at these really niche winter yeah. sports. The biathlon I'm into this year, and I don't know if it's not. I don't know if it's NBC's coverage of it, and just the way they're the the kind of the way they're zooming in and presenting the targets and all of that. And mm-hmm. I think the ice skating, they're presenting the scoring in a little bit different of a way to where I'm enjoying it more. NBC's been doing a great job. Yeah, they they have. And you know what I think has helped too is drones. Yes. I think drones have helped because a lot of these sports with courses, it's like, all right, how much money are you going to commit to 
covering the biathlon course, but I'm guessing it seems like they've got some drone footage. It does. Up there, it, de- right? it definitely seems like it's drone. I don't know if it is, but it seems like it. So the way it the hovers least, and the way it, it moves, is, they have enough. They yeah. have enough extra cameras so you can kind of keep track of everything. Yeah. Where in the past, sometimes it seemed kind of like. Here's your two stationary cameras, and we'll figure out like what the hell's going on with a graphic or something. Yeah, and we'll talk about the leader, but we don't have a shot of him for another 47 seconds. I like watching this stuff, too, because when I was a kid, I was actually, I was, it's it's weird. I was big into endurance sports, like, as a participant. I huh. was, I, I saved all my money up so I could buy a, like, a Cannondale racing bike. Uh, a cycle. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking in my head, I was going to be like in the Tour de France. Back then, Greg LeMond was the guy. It was a big thing. Yeah. That was, he, he had survived this hunting accident and he came back and he won a Tour de France. Mm-hmm. And, and after he should have been dead, like he was the, he was the great pre Lance Armstrong yeah. story that people kind of forgot about. And he's been adamant that he's never doped or anything. And that was before everything really took off with the doping and cycling. But I like, was I was hook, line, and sinker 80s? in this. Yeah, yeah, 80s? I don't. Yeah, it must have been the eighties. Because I can remember reading Greg LeMond's book, and one of the one of his big messages in that book was that one of the things that really sets athletes apart is their capacity for suffering. Like how how much mm-hmm. you willing to suffer, and how stupid are you willing to look as you do it? Like, are you like willing to look <laughs> like, like comically up on the side bad, of the road. like as yeah. in front of other people? Because that's what it's like when you're suffering. And like, I took that to heart, and I really I learned a lot from Greg LeMond. And then the other one too was cross country skiing. In the winter, I would cross country ski. Really, I would go off on my own because I was like, I I lived in this neighborhood, or I'd go to my grandma's house after school. And by the time I, I used to have this really cool group. This of is friends. in like northern New York. This is in upstate New York, yeah. like Rochester, right? Uh, Victor, or that Victor? Victor, New York. Okay. So my grandma, I would go to my grandma's house after school, and when I was like five, six, seven years old, I had this really great neighborhood with a bunch of kids my age, and we'd have a good time. But then all of a sudden, by the time I was like nine or ten. All these kids moved away, so I was stuck by myself every day when I came home from school. And somewhere along the way, somebody bought me some cross-country skis. So in the winter, I'd go out like cross-country skiing, and there was a golf course nearby, so I'd go on the golf course and everything. And then in the summers, I would I'd ride my bike. And then as I got to be a teenager, like when I'd wake up for work in the morning, I would I would during summer break, I would wake up, I would ride my bike like 10 miles to my grandpa's house to work on the farm. And then at like three o'clock, I'd ride from my grandpa's house like another 10 miles to football practice. Oh my God. Now I'd go to football practice or or whichever summer camp I was doing. And then after that, I'd ride at 10 miles home, like in the <laughs> twilight in summer, you know? So, and that was when I kind of got into like, all right, I'm going to need a better bike than this. So I got a fast bike. And that was when I was in eighth and ninth grade. But I really think like a lot of, kind of what allowed me to play above and beyond what my natural physical ability was yeah. when I played was that I had better endurance than a lot of guys. And, and like DeAndre Hopkins will talk about this. DeAndre Hopkins runs five miles a day in the offseason, which isn't typical doesn't do a lot of weight for stuff. fast twitch athletes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, well, in a, the, that long endurance stuff or relatively long isn't typical for fast twitch athletes, mm-hmm. but it kind of sets you apart when you have that yeah. ability to do all that. And we, well, like for him, when you can do it in the fourth quarter. By the way, you're making me feel like it as an as a eighth ninth grader, like the laziest son of a bitch That's I've ever. The beauty like, of God. growing up on like in a farming family. I lived in you, a small town, but not yeah. a not a very small town, and I just like I played a you lot played video of video games. games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I would rollerblade everywhere over my small town, but like, God, I thought if I was rollerblading to the 
McDonald's, it was far. It was like three and a half miles. <laughs> that's uh, that's the beauty of, that's like, the beauty oh, of growing did. up on a farm. Like the downside, um, uh, uh whole lot of accident, uh, accidental deaths, dismemberments, <laughs> and whatnot. That's the downside. But if your child survives the farm, then they they grow up and they're tough and all this stuff. And they've it's got amazing. good endurance and everything. So we should send our kids, uh, like 12, send them off to a farm send and hope for the best. Send them off to a farm. Hopefully it's not like an alcoholic farm because, again, dismemberment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to get to this before we do this because I'm, uh, okay. I'm like, this is one of the things. Honestly, I want to I wanna satisfy my literary bent a little bit because I'm trying to read more. And I feel like if I have the pressure of talking about what I'm reading on a podcast, I'll actually read even more. This is what I'm reading right now. And our listeners on my radio show know this, but I'm halfway through this. It's called The Butchering Art. It's Joseph Lister's quest to transform the grisly world of Victorian medicine. So it's this book about Joseph Lister, who was um, basically the first guy in the eighteen mid-1800s in England that realized, oh, wait a second, disease doesn't come from bad air. It comes from actual microorganisms. And wow. uh, but, but there's these stories. I, I can't tell you. I cannot tell you, Garrett, for the life of me, how scary a world it was like <laughs> before penicillin especially <laughs> but even back then like these people were going to sur- they were going to surgery pretty much resigned to the fact that they were probably going to die you're like, going to die at best lose a limb you're going to lose a limb right we're definitely going to cut your leg off <laughs> we're definitely going to do that <laughs> like until the 1850s they didn't use ether so my god so, so surgeons one of the things that a surgeon had to be good at was just being fast at it. So there were some of these surgeons that were world-renowned, or at least, I don't know, like London-renowned, because they could cut off a leg in 30 seconds. So they would— My God! They would, here, I, I wrote this down. So okay. this is uh, Liston, who was a predecessor of Lister. So this is a guy that's like one generation older than Lister. He, he said, they said he could remove a leg in less than 30 seconds, and in order to keep both hands free, he often clasped the bloody knife between his teeth while working. Oh so my God! These guys would come in, and there was again because until until Lister came along, nobody had a clue about cleanliness and like. And yeah, they're sounds, not sanitizing. It sounds idiotic. Yeah. Like, but they had no clue that actual filth contributed to disease and oh everything. My God. So they would come in and they'd have these knives and saws and everything. <laughs> we and they cut wouldn't off be that clean. leg really fast. Why yeah. is it still infected? They'd have, they'd have like wooden handles and ivory handles and stuff and they wouldn't God. wash them other than like as much as and they would, they'd be performing in these theaters, these operating theaters where people would just come in off the street and they'd like all be crowding around to watch and like nobody was showering. What like the nobody hell? Was, nobody was showering. Oh my God, there. the smell in those places it, it had yes, to be yes. just oh, let me oh tell you about the smell. Let me tell you about the smell. Okay. Hospitals constantly reeked of piss, shit, and vomit. <laughs> a sickening odor permeated every surgical ward. That's, and and then what they would do because what they thought disease was transmitted through was uh, bad air. Okay. It was uh, what, what's the word? Like well, like malaria. That term comes comes from bad air. Okay. So they thought it was just somehow it was the bad air or something. So what they would do is they'd be sure to cover up all the wounds like with, with bandages and never let them see the air. So you'd have these nasty wounds oh, God. just without cleaning the wounds or anything like that. And then Lister, so Lister's dad was a guy that created a lot of innovations with microscopes. So Lister would be playing around with his microscope looking at all this stuff, and all these other nerd. surgeons were like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you nerd, <laughs> play with your microscope. We're over here chopping stuff up. And that's what... Kids are Medical students back the then fastest. had a bad reputation as being kind of just wild, these wild and crazy partying dudes. Oh, my God. They were drunk all the time. Great. And, and surgeons, well, because surgeons, here's another, this, this, uh, this was another part of it. I wrote it down. 
basically medical students themselves had a really high mortality rate because they were working in these hospitals. Yeah. And if you cut your finger or something, you're like, that was it for you. You're like, you cut <laughs> your finger while you're working on somebody that's already got an infected wound or something. Yeah, and you're then you're done. going to work on all these other people. Yeah. And oh, then, like, then you're spreading it would to just, everybody. Yeah. It was Boy, just, I wonder how the plague happened. It was just <laughs> absolutely awful. So like, anyway, like, so there's a, I've got the, there's a link to it on the website, deceptivelyfast.com. Check it out. It's a butchering art. Right. That is uh it's, it's frankly, it's a hard read because it's I'm squeamish by nature. Okay. And I get squeamish a lot oh. here. There's a whole lot of talking about um oh, here's the other thing that came up um that that, that I thought was interesting. Between 1800 and 1850, there were more than 200 recorded cases of wife sales in England. This is this is the state of being a, a woman wife in England sales? in the mid 1800s. Guys, a guy would be like, "Uh, this just doesn't doing it for me. I always oh go ahead and sell my wife and children to somebody else. Oh like my the, god, the, the highest taker. And then also, did Lister buy some wives? Listen, is that no, what happened? No, no, no. This was like in one little aside. Oh, okay. He's working on this woman who is a battered wife, and oh. it, it it started off. They're talking about just how awful it was for women back then because a woman, a guy could a guy could divorce a woman. Uh, it wasn't all that easy, but there were a few things like I think adultery. He could divorce her yeah. for adultery. A woman couldn't divorce her husband unless there was both adultery and battery. Oh my god! So it was like she was just sol, and like so she couldn't prove this one woman couldn't prove that he was cheating on her, but he was definitely beating her. But like, sorry about it. Sorry, you gotta be He's cheating. Gotta, it's not both. horny enough. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that's how that came up. But it's just it's this really really grim view of how everything actually was, and it's. It's a fun read, but I, like I have to, I have to fight through a few of the moments. Don't eat, don't read while eating dinner. The other thing, okay. Uh, do I want to tackle gun control on this? <laughs> Maybe podcast? not today. Do I want to fix it right now? Nah, I mean, I, I how across, quick can you fix it? I came across this article in 538.com, and I'm only going to make this one point about it because sometimes I get. It's like when I'm is that is I'm an onlooker on abortion arguments. You watch like abortion versus anti-abortion people, and. Uh, or pro-choice versus pro-life, and you realize, like, wow, they, they're not even arguing about the same thing. Like, right. These guys aren't even right. arguing about the same thing. But I'm reading this. I'm reading 538.com, which I think a lot of people would think of as, like, kind of a left-leaning website. Yeah, I don't know if that's sure. fair or not, but, like, yeah. uh, people view it as a left-leaning website. But this one writer in here is making this point that, you know, talking about school shootings might not be the best way to talk about gun control and what happens with guns. And I don't... I didn't like the the way the guy was framing it because this guy f came at it from the approach of, all right, if you want to limit gun violence, you have to look at who gets killed the most from guns. And I think it was a third of the people or the majority of the people, the biggest number of people killed by guns are self-inflicted gun wounds from yeah. suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there are other things, you know, obviously, that like the total number of people that die in a mass school shooting is relatively small compared to all these other things. Yeah. And he was making a point about that. But I think that the issue though, and the problem there is that those, those other types of killings don't have the terroristic effect, Correct. like where people, where it strikes fear into the heart of somebody who could be leading a perfectly normal life and their kids just going to school and being a good kid. And then all of a sudden I, they're subjected. To it's totally, I think, I think the big part is the, your, sending your kids off to this place that you're they're supposed to be safe yeah and this thing is happening and it keeps happening right and then, then and, so that's where so some of the whether you're arguing for or against yeah. gun control i think every the one like i like to start on these things and figure out okay where can everybody agree and at the very least i think people can agree that 
if if you can't agree on anything else, we'd love to keep the guns out of the hands of these people that are the, the, right. that are eventually going to shoot a school yeah. up. So how do you get to that point? And I think I've actually maybe I'm idiotically optimistic about that. I feel like I've started to at least see a little bit of that where you get people from the NRA, you get people from the complete anti-ban all gun side and you know, it's always tricky in a in a free society how you you know identify people who might be committing crimes. But at the very least, like that's some common ground there. Yeah, and that's that, as far as I'll go with that. Yeah, I think today. I think you're right though. I think that's the the right. I think it's the right place to start. I yep. think that it needs to start. And there's, I think the issue is bigger than just one issue. It's not. There's not one answer. Oh, dude, oh, it's, yeah, it's we, no fun. We it's don't no need to keep going. Conversations with no, people about but there's this. not one answer. And fa- like I, I've tried to stay off Facebook all weekend because it's been terrible. Well, you know what's interesting? Because I come from look, look, I grew up in a, in a pretty rural area, and I have a lot of families. Uh, a lot of people in my family hunt. Um, a lot. Like they're just they're, they're big yeah. time hunters. But it is interesting to see. The difference between, I think, some people who grew up in urban areas who have this vision of gun owners, which is like just a bunch of Yosemite sands, like, <laughs> boom, we're going to, yeah, like, I'm going to shoot as many people as I want whenever yeah. I want. And, and, and it's, and it just certainly doesn't jibe with the vast majority of people I know who own guns. And then I think I'll likewise on the other side of it, you have my family. <laughs> we look at most, you know, urban hippies is <laughs> just a, a complete bunch of moronic whatever. Um, it, it, and again, it goes back to everything is amplified and exacerbated by social media because you you do see the worst version of every person yep. on television. Like you watch cable news and you see the worst gun owner and you also see the worst hippie, like crazy. non, yeah. yeah, just non empathetic, sympathetic, whatever it is, liberal that's come, you know, that thinks that anybody from Texas is uh, <laughs> might as well be a war criminal, you know. So that it's that part of it's frustrating, but I, however we get to actually having a conversation. All right. I've got, you know what? I said I was going to do a half hour here. All I want to do is get this thing on SoundCloud so I can submit it to iTunes. And put and, a picture of your cat up. And, yeah. And I've got a picture of me and one of my three cats. What is the cat? I'd, I'd like to be a zero cat family. We have three cats and uh, it's the Deceptively Fed podcast. Deceptively Fast podcast. Check it out. It, it, eventually it'll be up on iTunes. When it does go there, don't give me a review yet. Wait until uh, we get all the kinks uh, ironed out. out on this thing. Garrett, I appreciate you helping me actually get logged into the computer. No and problem. For your input as well. And uh, take it easy, everybody. I have no, uh, what do you call it at the end of there, a tagline? Yeah, we don't have an out cue. I, I have no out cue yet. So uh, we'll work on that. Suggestions are appreciated. Deceptivelyfast.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.